0: Welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighbourhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday, the show of your spicy takes and our often even spicier opinions. With me on this week's edition, we've got a back. We've managed to wrestle her away from the MacBook. <laughs> um, it's Charlie Williams. Hello, Charlie. How's it going? He-
1: hello, everybody. It's been a while. I feel like it's been like, like at least four weeks. I missed least. you. Where have you been? I've been busy writing. We've had a very, you know, a very busy few weeks with races, especially Australia, which caused me to pull my hair out.
0: (laughs) yeah I mean it it wasn't exactly what you'd call a stress-free race was it like let's be let's be honest it was it was a bit of a hectic one it's understandable (laughs) there was a lot of stories to come out of it there's some stories that are still ongoing um, regarding Australia which we'll get to because one of the takes directly relates to that um, (laughs) having seen the list in front of me so we'll get into that very shortly but for those who don't know because as I always say every podcast is someone's first this is the show where you the wonderful wtf on audience will send in your hot takes regarding in Formula One in general, it could be about a recent race, could be about a team, a driver, who knows? Um, You send them in to us, and then we will evaluate uh, that take and decide whether we agree or disagree on a scale of one to five. One means we seriously disagree, where five means we seriously agree. As mentioned, any tweet, or any take, I should say, that is scored one by both me and my co-host, in this case, the wonderful Charlie, will go into what has now been called the sub-zero vaults for the coldest and hottest takes of 2023, which we'll get to in December as a season finale of sorts so you know try to avoid that or maybe you want to deliberately get in there who knows as long as it gets a good discussion going we'll have to wait and see so charlie without further ado should we get into hot takes wednesday let's go take number one it's from tyler smith at ty daniels 0161 and uh he says F1 in the FIA need to rewrite the entire rule book and specifically train professional stewards like referees in football to enforce it. But <laughs> wow. Um, this is this this is bold. Uh, Good one to start with. <laughs> Nice and nice and subtle, nice and easy one. Just to just to bed us in. F one and the FIA need to rewrite the entire rulebook and specifically train professional stewards like referees in football to enforce it. I must say, as a football fan, like train professional stewards like football referees. That's not necessarily a a, a great place to start. Recently, is it?
1: <laughs> uh, well, to be, I don't actually, I'm not massive on football, so I can't actually give you an opinion on what the referees are like. But I swear, I'm pretty sure stewards are professionally trained anyway I don't think like you know I can just wake up tomorrow and be like oh I want to be a steward today I get handed a rule book and they're like look over a couple of pages and get to work I don't think that's the case Um, but (laughs) I don't think there is anything actually wrong with the rules Like themselves. I don't think the rules are awful. (laughs) Like there's there's a couple things that I think teams find their way through, a couple of loopholes, you know, like the Alonso penalty with the Jacks and stuff. Um, but it's how they enforce them. It's how they enforce the rules that's an issue for me. Um, the FIA are just inept and ridiculously inconsistent. And it's almost as if they just don't know the rules themselves. I mean, we did a video on this. Um, not too long ago, being like, do they actually know their own rules? Are the rules too complicated be- that they get to a they get to a mm. certain point, something happens, and they just don't know how to enforce it? Um, I don't know. I don't know how they fix the issue, to be honest, because everybody believed that Michael Massey was the issue after Abu Dhabi. And I agree he made some shambolic decisions. Absolutely. But, and I do feel like it got a little bit better in 2022, but not like still not enough. You know, still over the past two seasons, we're still seeing these inconsistencies.
0: Yeah, I this is a complicated take. Now, first and foremost, the FIA do pay their stewards, they are trained professionals. <laughs> I just just thought I want to establish that before we really get into this. Um, I know many people in the FIAR volunteers, the stewards are not one of them. I do have a few problems in general with with the system. I don't like the fact they rotate. I would like for them to go down the IndyCar sort of road where they have the same three stewards at every race, where at least, even if you disagree with a certain decision, at least you're not going to kick your toys out of the pram over inconsistency because my biggest argument has always been well what's a penalty and it's it's going to be situations where you just don't know sometimes and we've already had two big examples of that this Uh. season like you said the alonzo second time penalty that he got you know what counts as work on the car and i think you hit the nail on the head with the problem charlie the by the letter of the law the stewards were fine the problem was they had a gentleman's agreement with the teams that such in the car was deemed as work. So, and the problem is the handshake agreement fell apart when Aston Martin lodged their right to review, because mm-hmm. they pulled out all the video examples of cars being touched during penalties with no punishment given. So the gentleman's agreement that the stewards had with the teams immediately falls apart. Um, I've always said they're gentlemen's agreements until someone stops wanting to be a gentleman, <laughs> um, and and that's the problem. Like you've got rules, you've got directives, you've got specific notes that that carry over from weekend to weekend, and you've got this sort of gentleman's agreement vibe with the relationship between the stewards and the teams as well. That you know they're not fun; that they're not they're, they're shaky ground to have a fun like to have a foundation <laughs> for a rule book Look, as much as I, you know, agree that Michael Massey had to go as race director at the end of Abu Dhabi, Mm -hmm. because we were never going to ever, ever stop talking about Abu Dhabi 2021, ever. Part of the reason he did what he did was because he had an agreement with the teams that they would prefer to see a race finish on the green if possible. Now, that's no way a justification for what he did, but it was in the report that went into that incident afterwards that like, no, he had an agreement with the teams try and finish a race under green if you can. And that's probably why he did what he did. He didn't want to see the entire championship finish under a yellow flag. Again, not the attitude that I would have regarding race control if I was in charge of the end of that race. The, the, The red flag was right there, especially given what we've now seen in Australia this weekend. The sport is prepared to throw a red flag to get a standing restart if it boils down to it. But that's the problem I have with the stewarding it's i don't i I agree with you charlie it's not necessarily the rules it's how they're being enforced it's the handshake agreements under the table it's the directives that go underneath that and then we all end up beating our heads against each other on social media or amongst <clears throat> us media folks and journos about well what constitutes a rule and what doesn't that's the problem i don't f- necessarily think it's the rule book um but one, the other point I, was, I wanted to make here real quick is that after Abu Dhabi, the FIA wanted to follow the letter of the law more often as a result of what happened with Michael Massey. And the problem is is that we're still seeing these handshake agreements like we like we saw in in Jeddah and, again, to a degree, oh. Australia with the inconsistencies regarding what's causing a collision and what isn't, because Carlos Sainz got a five-second penalty, which Ferrari are now in the middle of their right to review of Right now as we as we record this, whereas Logan Sargent plows into the back of Nick the Freeze's car in the same incident and is not punished and not even investigated. Um and Yeah,
1: that makes me so mad. Like that is probably like that 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 series of like penalty inconsistencies is what makes me like is what that's what damages the integrity of the sport it's the FIA's decisions to not make decisions like because in the middle of those two incidents as well you also had Pierre and Esteban right. you know they were they were Alpine would have been keen to avoid Pierre getting a race ban because he is only like two points away mm-hmm. and having a penalty for dangerous driving would have given him those two penalty points But is that, like, is that fair? Like, should you be, like, I just love to know what's gone on behind closed doors because have they gone in and said, like, oh, it's, you know, it was just a first lap incident. It wasn't our fault, like, blah, blah, blah. And I just imagine, like, these conversations between the FIA and the teams, like, all right, we'll let you off this, like, this time because we don't want the bands to come into play. Like, that's all I imagine in my head. And it's all this that we don't actually see, like, that could be, that could be, you know, creating all these different inconsistencies. Uh, It just, it makes me really mad. It does really make me mad.
0: For what it's worth, as a side note, I do generally get the feeling that stewards wave their hands of accountability if it's teammates that hit each other. Because I remember Charles Leclerc and Sebastian Vella had two incidents where they hit each other and the stewards just waved it off. So I think, again, that's another one of those sorts of, Handshake under the table yeah. notions. They both agreed it was a racing incident and it was like, oh, well, your teammates, you've both suffered enough. We're just going to wave this one off. I, 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 Again, it's where does that say that in the rule book? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like Gasly caused a collision. He turned into his own teammate and put them both out. So I, like, I don't understand that that's not causing a collision. But again, that's, it all circles back to Tyler's original take and... I don't think the entire rulebook needs rewriting. I don't think the rulebook is entirely the problem, but I do think there needs to be a serious sit down and think amongst how the FIA has its rulebook, how it's interpreted and make it clear to the teams and therefore to us as media folks I would like to see the decision making process more. I don't know if you're if people are rugby fans that are listening to this, but when you have like <laughs> VAR, for example, the referee and the people in the VAR room are talking to each other. So you can see the decision process that goes on. You can see the mitigation that comes into play. Now I know we got rid of the team radios that go directly to Michael Massey as race director but I would like to see more clarity in the rules and the thought making process that gets us to this point, because there are too many hoops to jump through in terms of we agree to this. We don't agree to that. That's what I would like to see. So for the most part, I kind of agree with the take in general. I think Mm. I'm probably going to say four here because I don't fully agree. I don't think the rule book is the problem. And look, no rule book is ever perfect. There will always be loopholes. There will always be mitigation in cases that don't apply, where you've got to, you know, maybe make a common sense judgment or tweak your rulebook afterwards because it will no rulebook would ever cover everything. No, but some training in the actual process and being a bit more transparent about said process, I think, would certainly help enforcement and help us as fans who consume the product understand what's going on a bit more. So I'm going to say four. How do you feel, Charlie?
1: Yeah, I'm in agreement with you, I think. I don't, like like we said, I don't fully agree that the rule book needs changing, but something needs to change and it probably leans more on the stewards. I mean, like that aside it must be a very difficult job to be a steward. Like I definitely, (laughs) I would not be holding my hand up to volunteer to do that job by any means.
0: I've said it in many, many walks of life in this job and in footballs. I'm a big football fan as well. Like, why would anybody want to be a professional sports referee right now (laughs) like you have to be perfect anything less you will be destroyed on social media accused of bias and have death threats sent to your door like michael massey was which by the way is never acceptable please don't do that um and yeah like i've said it before football has issues with that like like formula one does but yeah. the problem is, you're not raising people that want to be referees and stewards, which is another part of the problem. Because like, why would you want that job right now? Um, it's it, it's 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 a circle of pain and frustration, which we could easily talk about for a whole hour. In fact, I might put that to our editors and say, hey, can we do a whole podcast on this? Because um, <laughs> that, that I could go for an hour on this if yeah. I really wanted. to.
1: Yeah.
0: But we must move on. Take number two is from Ben Wooten. Uh, and Ben asks, uh, oh, his take I should say is that Lando Norris will replace Fernando Alonso at Aston Martin when Alonso's contract ends if they continue to improve the way they have done this year um yeah Ben so Ben with the take Lando Norris will replace Fernando Alonso at Aston Martin when Alonso's contract ends if they continue to improve the way they have done this year now from what I know Fernando Alonso, I believe, signed a two-year deal with Aston Martin. So that's the end of 24, we're talking. So maybe Norris in 25. Now, you know the contract's better than I do, Charlie. Is that possible? Like, How long is Lando tied down for until again?
1: Um, I believe Lando's till the end of 25. But I'm, I'm sure Al- Alonso's original deal was multi-year. But then I think he com- he confirmed, a- yeah, he confirmed <laughs> after that 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 was like two years. But as my as as far as my understanding goes, multi years kind of like
0: it's a very vague do- term. Is it?
1: You're done. Like, it's like,
0: <laughs> it's, it, it's um, a it's a very vague. I mean, multi by the pure definition means more than one. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> who knows? But I mean, generally speaking, I think the general consensus is that it's a two year deal for Fernando. But the problem is that Lando is tied down for another year and yeah. I don't know it it, it it would Lando kick up enough of a stink to leave early potentially I don't know I mean you I'm going to you Charlie because you're our resident McLaren fan you know the vibe better than I do like Lando's been very very loyal and very patient with McLaren who you know they had a plan to try and get back up to the top of the field they're now saying maybe 2025 they're planning to be contenders again. Is it time for Lando to bail?
1: I I, I think Lando would probably leave. I, I, like, I, I do think there is probably, I, I know we're saying that he's loyal and he has been very loyal and he has been very patient. Um, but I think it gets to a certain point where he realizes that his talent is worth more than what he's getting given at a team. Um, but I would very much doubt that McLaren will let him leave or whether they've even put a clause in there to say that, like to even allow that. I, I don't, I, you know, they're smart. They're, they're a business. Like they're not going to let their, a driver that I, I mean, we say again, we say this every time is a world-class talent. They're not just going to let right. one of them go. So, um, I don't know, I don't really see this. my first thought though when when you read out this take was where is Fernando going? like <laughs> I like I just I mean if 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 Aston Martin are continuing to improve the way that they have this year and they continued to improve next year, are we really expecting Fernando Alonso to leave when he's with, when he's with a team that are at the top like when there's another yeah. chance of winning a championship, Nah, no, no way. No
0: chance. This is the best car Fernando Alonso has had in a decade. Probably since 2013. The la- the second to last year he was at Ferrari in the last year of the V8s yeah. where Ferrari were fighting for second with Mercedes. Alonso's not had a car that good since. Like the- no. all the years at McLaren and an Alpine who were fine but they weren't Like, even like top two, top three, challenging for occasional wins or anything along those lines. This is the best car Alonso's had in the decade. And Alonso's made it very clear he's got no signs of wanting to retire. He wants to drive into his mid 40s. And I can't blame him. He's driving as well as he has in a good decade and a half at age 41 right now. He's 42, I think, in July. Like, he's still driving incredibly well. He's got an excellent car that's Second, third on on paper, absolute worst. I would say. I think they're better than Ferrari. I think they're in the mix of Mercedes. Like this is this is jackpot for Fernando Alonso right now. He could not have fallen up any harder from where he was at at Alpine. And Aston Martin love him. He's all over their social media. They know how, how huge a future following he has. He's a team player now. He's you've he, got all the video because of him wheeling the tires back to the garage. They're getting the <laughs> memes out of his of his forehead, and you know the the trophies jokes we made at the Jeddah and getting his podium back, like. Everything is coming up Millhouse on Aston Martin right now. There yeah. is no chance I think Alonso's going anywhere because there is no better opportunity for him. The only other seat that is guaranteed to be better, in my opinion, right now is Red Bull and Red Bull's team is fine. Yeah.
1: God, can you imagine Alonso and Verstappen? War, war,
0: <laughs> World War Three. <III. laughs>
1: Oh, it's not even worth no, thinking no, about. <laughs> no
0: team could tolerate those two egos in the same no, roof. Like, sure. like, like Max Verstappen has has got enough to carry an entire paddock as it is. Let alone adding Fernando Alonso, who we all know has got no problem getting his hands <laughs> dirty in 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 terms of you know challenging for titles and making you know trolly statements and things like that we we all know that alonzo is not what you call diplomatic no. about <laughs> most of these things so that would be chaos in of itself um overall i can't get there on this one norris has committed himself for the long haul for better or worse And Fernando Alonso is going nowhere. Lance Stroll's got the safest seat in Formula One. And why the hell? We all know Lance is going nowhere unless he wants to leave. And why the hell would he leave the best seat he's had in Formula One? So, you know, as it stands, I I don't see this happening. Um, Barring, the only way I can see it even having half a chance would be if Lando kicks up a huge stink at McLaren about wanting to leave. And... I just don't think he's that sort of guy. If he he had to have known when he signed a three year extension that there was every chance it was not going to work out. Yeah. It, and, and if he doesn't know that, he needs to hire a better team. Um, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, so I'm gonna say me- it's it's this is a borderline one for me, but I'm gonna say two and say silly seasons can often spring up out of nowhere, and that I think that's the only thing saving me from opening the vaults on this one. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Charlie?
1: <laughs> I think I'm going to go... I think I am going to put it as a one, you know? Mm. I The only way I see Alonso leaving is that possibly at the end of 2024, he wins the title, and then he's like, all right, I'm done. See you again when I'm 50. Like, that's the only thing <laughs> that I think <laughs> is going to happen on Alonso's side. And with Lando, I... I don't see him making a move to another team unless it's a top team. And by top team to me, I still don't put Aston Martin under that. Like they're they're a top team this year. But for me, like a top team is like Mercedes-Ferrari. Uh, Red Bull because they've been at the top
0: for consistently yeah
1: yeah for you know over the decades rather than just like uh, after Martin who have just popped up to say hello this year and I, I don't think that's enough to convince Lando to be like right I'm going there so yeah I'm going to call it a one I think
0: Yes, it reminds me a lot of Williams when the Turbo Hybrid started in 2014. They were terrible towards the end of the V8s. The V6s came around. They were they jumped up the field, were up mm-hmm. to like third. with I think it was Massa and Bottas back then. Yeah. And then as time went on, they couldn't compete with the big players and they just ended up slipping down the grid. So, yeah, I, I, that could very easily happen with Aston Martin. Do they have the budget and the resources to keep up over yeah. two? three, five years, who knows? That that remains to be seen, but that is also an intriguing part of what makes Aston Martin's surprise so fun, I suppose. <laughs> Our partner this episode is Athletic Greens. We all know Formula One drivers are great athletes, and great athletes have one thing in common, they take care of their bodies. Now I appreciate the majority of us can't claim to be world-class athletes, but that doesn't mean we can't look after ourselves like we are. That's why I gave AG1 by Athletic Greens a try, because I wanted to support my immune system and sustain my energy levels. AG1 is so much more than a greens powder. It's all of your key health products in one. I take AG1 in the morning and it makes me feel ready to take on the day. It's just one small scoop of AG1 in a glass of water. It's that easy to cover your nutritional basis. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com forward slash WTF1. That's athleticgreens.com forward slash WTF1. Check it out. Take number three comes from Soundbrush, and Soundbrush says... George Russell will be the highest scoring driver to not win a race this season. Hmm. George Russell will be the highest scoring driver to not win a race in the 2023 season. Should I go first on this one? Cause I, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to wrap my
1: head around it a little bit. <laughs> so
0: you go. It's, it's a fun one. Um, analytically how I'm breaking this down is first question. Does anyone not in a Red Bull win a race this season? <laughs> I mean No. <laughs> it's it's if the evidence of the last three races are anything to go by, we are probably now looking at a situation where only major shenanigans are going to stop Red Bull from winning any given race on paper. Now, to be fair, we have had decent shenanigans with mm-hmm. one of their two cars in two out of the three races this season. We all know that Verstappen had to come through the back in Saudi Arabia, but even then it was the easiest comeback from 15th to second, I think I've ever seen. And then Perez went from 20th to 5th in Australia without breaking too much of a sweat. And probably could have had more off if it wasn't for the fact he botched his final restart. Um so because Perez was was dreadful in Australia. Um I'm not, I'm not sure that's entirely on him. I would say Formula One works in strange ways. You will probably get one or two rounds a year where something completely crazy happens. And a Red Bull won't win. i I fear we've still not even seen this Red Bull at full capacity yet, which is doubly terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it depends on who you ask. If you ask George himself, he's like, "Oh, they're holding back. They're sandbagging. Yeah. You know, they're still they don't want the FIA to come after them." Which you know, that, I think that's cute, given he drives a Mercedes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it depends how many how many drivers are going to win a race outside of Red Bull because both Red Bulls have already won, so they're obviously exempt. You look at the rest of the field, you'd think Fernando Alonso would be in the driver's seat given the way the season's played out so far. He's had three podium finishes so far. Hamilton's had one, and then no one else I think has sat on the podium so far this season. So you need both Red Bulls to have a DNF. To have to, to, and then if 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 Russell flukes one, he's off the table. So does George Russell fluke a win? Would be my first question. I mean, how do you feel about that, Charlie? Do you think there's a chance there's gonna be enough freakish outlier winners to start taking names off the table?
1: Uh, I don't know. I'm really like th- this this take has actually quite confused me. Like my brain is working too hard for a, for a Wednesday afternoon. Um because <laughs> Uh, like, everything that you've broken down so far is correct. This is exactly how I feel as well. Hmm. But then you've also got a part where you consider George. Um, if, So if there is a possibility of someone winning a race, could it be George? But...
0: And if he does, he becomes <laughs> exempt from the take because he's won a race. Yeah,
1: yeah. So then... But I'm not 100% sold on that Mercedes yet, and I think it's definitely track-dependent. Agreed. So... And then... But you also have to consider... George versus Lewis. If That's there is going to be a Mercedes on on you know getting a race win, who says it's not going to be Lewis?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So then it would be George as the highest scoring. It's very like yeah. There's so many like different compartments into this take. Right, right. I don't really, I don't know where to stand. I mean, Lewis currently is twenty points up on George in the standings. Right. So, I mean, if if Lewis, know, if they, you know, if they stay that way. And neither of them win a race. Then no, he's not. He's not the highest scoring driver to not win a race. It would be Lewis.
0: Yeah, that, all of what you're saying makes sense. I know. I know it sounds confusing to you, but I promise you, this this, this <laughs> is coming out right. Um... <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I think question number one is how many guys do you think will win a Grand Prix? We've already had two different winners, but they're both in Red Bulls. Will there be any more? Will Red Bull throw up enough of a of a crazy scenario where somebody else wins? And then if they do, who wins? (laughs) And then who's left over, and then who's the highest scorer out of that? I think there's a reasonable chance this happens, is my overall conclusion. I think there's a good chance George Russell goes winless. And if he does go winless, given how consistent a driver he actually is, he was was very consistent last year. Mercedes were rinsing the crap out of stonks memes for top five finishes that George Russell had last season (laughs) for how consistent he was. In fact, I think he only finished outside of the top five like two or three times all year last season. So I actually think weighing that up, there's a good chance this happens with George. If if Merck's have the second best car, but not good enough to win, there's a good chance I think Russell could fit the criteria of Soundbrush's take. So but if, I, if there's awesome, no
1: Mercedes yeah. on if there's no Mercedes that win, do you think he's outscoring Lewis?
0: There's a possibility. It's close. That's where I'm unsure. I think it's a very close matchup. I think it's certainly closer than the 18 points, that the 20 points that Hamilton has on Russell now, but I also think it's not the 35 that Russell beat Hamilton with last season. I think it's somewhere in the middle of that. And I'm not sure which way I'd go on that. I think they're very close. I think they're very evenly matched Those drivers at the moment. That's the problem. So I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't normally break out this number but i think i'm gonna go free on this one because (laughs) this is the definition of a could go either way sort of take and it's a bit of a cop-out i don't use free very often i don't like sitting on the fence of these takes because i think it's a bit of a, a chicken answer but i also think that there's a lot of variables in this, and I'm I'm not sure which way I'd go on that one. I think there is every chance that Lewis Hamilton and Fernando Alonso could also be in this mix if they also don't win a race. Because I think there's every chance Red Bull runs the table and wins all 23. Um, so I'm going to say three. Charlie, feel free to join me on this one. I do not mind. I'm not yeah, judging. I, <laughs> I like
1: chicken. I do like chicken. So I'm going go to go with three. <laughs>
0: That that's entirely gonna, reasonable. I, I,
1: I, I yeah, my mind is like it, there's just too many variables in this take that you know mm. I think I, I can't call it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna nicely sit in the middle and be proud about that choice.
0: I, I know podcasts aren't normally a visual medium, but if you saw Charlie right now, I think it was like one of those Sherlock mind maps you got when that show was on the BBC a few years ago with all the graphs and equations going on around our heads. <laughs>
1: it's, it's that meme. Yeah, that yeah. meme. <laughs> the ball.
0: Yeah. That is yeah. me. It, it, that, yeah. that is Charlie right now, bless her. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the fun. I love it. it a great take, though, I do say. One that prompts discussion. I do love that. Take number four comes from Drew Davis. Drew uh, 647A on Twitter who says... Aston Martin will end the season with the second best car, but finish fourth because they don't have a number two worthy of a seat in a top team. If only Kieran was here. (laughs) That's directed squarely in one direction and one direction only. One more time. Aston Martin will end the season with the second best car, but finish fourth because they don't have a number two worthy of a seat in a top team let's not beat around the bush. This is clearly talking about Lance Stroll and his impact on this team. Like it's, it's interesting because it's hard to evaluate Lance Stroll so far this season for me, because he came into the season injured, not ideal, came in with two broken wrists, a broken toe and and probably a slightly damaged ego as a result. But he still, I think he gained a lot of respect with people for continuing to plow on and finishing, what was it, sixth on the day. He was running a, about that same sort of area in Jeddah when his car died Um, in, in Jeddah there, and then was fourth after the Chaos of Australia finished. I personally think that's fine for a car that's second, maybe third best. I think them and Mercedes are pretty close. Um, some... <sighs> The sample size is still pretty small for me, but I feel like it's a bit too early to start condemning Lance Stroll. I, I must admit, I did mention this in the very first video I made for WTF1 where I was voicing over saying, hey, if, if Aston Martin get good, is Stroll going to be good enough to, con- to you know to justify his seat? So we're, we're starting to ask that question again now. Like, So how do you feel, Charlie?
1: I I mean, if Kieran listens to this, which I'm sure he probably won't.
0: <laughs> for the hills. <laughs> um,
1: he um he knows I'm not a massive fan of Lance anyway. Um, but I'm gonna say that is definitely the second best. We'll start with that on that grid this year.
0: I think so too. Um, not feeling.
1: And I don't think that's gonna change throughout the season, but I don't think it will finish fourth. That would mean having to drop behind Ferrari at the moment. That's and true. And I think Ferrari's issues are quite deep. I think they're deeper than... <laughs> I think they run deeper than what um, they're letting them out to to run at the moment. Right. Um, so I, I do, however, think that Aston could drop to third and Mercedes oh. could finish P2 because of those drivers. And it's not anything on Lance, but I would argue that Mercedes have one of the best driver lineups on that grid this year. Like, well, you know, and for however long they, George and Lewis are just two very, um, world-class drivers work. And at the moment they are working together to get the best out of that car. And I think that both of them beat, um, whatever Lance can bring out of this car. But that isn't, you know, that's nothing to say that, that's nothing on Lance. But whereas Aston Martin are relying a lot on Alonso, I think they're going to owe him a good old back massage by the end of the season. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I think that's a good driver. But in terms of ability, I just don't think he matches George. If we're going to put, you know, like Lewis and Alonso together, he just doesn't, he's not on the same. And he'll probably pull off... I reckon he could probably pull off a few podiums this season, sure. but it's very car reliant and not talent reliant. If Ooh. that
0: does happen, Kieran, please, like if you listen, if you're listening, spare yourself. Have some mercy. Um, <laughs> I think your reasoning is valid, Charlie. I-, I think you're spot on. I think the take itself reads fourth, and that means by default falling behind Ferrari. Ferrari are a dumpster fire at the moment in terms of how they feel about their car. If you, it, we, we put a short up on the YouTube channel where we talked about, but Carlos Sainz has been very candid about Ferrari's problems and it's basically everything. I literally joked the other day that it's like David Moyes when he was Manchester United manager and he said United have to improve in defending, attacking and passing. Which is basically everything, yeah. and it's the same with Ferrari. It's Like, oh, yeah, we're not as good in, in low-speed corners, medium-speed corners, top speed, tire wear, uh, downforce. You know, like anything else you want to mention, Carlos? It's my scroll. It? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like it's literally like the cartoon scroll that comes down and ends up rolling a, like halfway across your living room. Hmm. It's it's. Ferrari are not in a good place. No, they've had a dreadful start. Charles Leclerc himself has had his worst start to an F one season since his rookie year, and that's when he was at Sauber, and we all know Sauber were real bad back then. Um, you know, Ferrari are in a bad place, and that's the that's the problem with this take. If you'd have said third, <laughs> yeah. that would have been very interesting <laughs> because I agree with Charlie that Mercedes are probably going to be a threat. They will maximize whatever they can get left out of this flawed package. And I agree with Charlie that they've got the best driver lineup in Formula One. It's balanced, it's it's got a high ceiling, it's got a low floor, it ticks just about every box, they get along. Like it's the best lineup in Formula One for me. Like Hamilton and Russell are excellent drivers. They've proven themselves at the very highest level. Stroll hasn't really done that yet. No. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. I think Stroll has been fine so far this season, given the, the the small sample size we've had. There's not been enough for me to look at Stroll and go, "Oh, this is going to be a problem." No, that's yeah. not the case. But I, but given the way the take has been written, to say that they're going to fall fourth behind Ferrari, Ferrari would have to have a phenomenal turnaround for <laughs> them to end up anything higher than fourth. Because I think they yeah. do have the fourth best car on paper at the moment, and. Even without that, their drivers have made errors. Leclerc put himself out in Australia, which didn't help. And again, the way Ferrari managed their team, Bahrain was shambolic. It basically cost Leclerc two weekends in one. So mm-hmm. it, it's been dreadful for Ferrari so far. And I do feel sorry for Fred Rasser to a degree because I don't think it's, it's his fault. I think he's inherited a donkey. Um, so <laughs> with all that in mind, I'm going to say two um Ferrari do have the resources to turn this around but I don't think it's going to happen this year is, is what I think I think it's going to be next year or I think Ferrari might start making gains I'm going to say two uh, I think it's an outside chance but I don't think it's like slam dunk no way this is going to happen so I'm going to say two Charlie what do you reckon
1: yeah I think I'd probably sit the same um yeah, had it been third, it would have probably been a five for me. But mm. because it's fourth, I kind of i i more disagree with that because I just don't think Ferrari are going to get their stuff together. I also sent the take to Kieran.
0: Did you know? <laughs>
1: see- I did. I took a photo of the take and sent it to him. And his um his feedback was, "That's a beep disgrace."
0: i love that we got a live reaction i I was wondering why charlie was giggling on the second video feed we have and i was like why is she having a laugh i was like oh that's why
1: yeah okay Uh, okay so there we go we've heard it from kieran as well i I feel like his is a strong one
0: yeah that's that's probably fair like
1: a strong a strong five
0: no, a strong one. No, you, you were right first time. It's definitely a <laughs> Jesus Christ, Charlie. Uh, we're uh, we're going to sit you down after this recording, and we're going to go through the scoring <laughs> process again. Okay, we're going to make sure we get this right. Okay, <sighs> like if that okay. was if if Ki- that that was not a one from Kieran, that was about a minus five. <laughs> um, so <laughs> yeah, have fun with that one. Um, this is a good one from. Uh, Dan CFC 21. I think he's a Chelsea fan. Um, he says Sergio Perez will be without a drive next season. As Sonoda will replace him at Red Bull and Liam Lawson and Ayumu Wassa will take up both Alpha Tauri seats. Uh, there's, there's layers to this one. It's like an onion. <laughs> I, I, I love it. Okay. One more time from CFC Dan. Uh, Sergio Perez will be without a drive next season. As Sonoda will replace him at Red Bull and Liam Lawson and Ayumu Owasa will take up both our Fatari seats. There's a lot of levels to this, Charlie. I mean, how, how do you feel about it so far? Because, like, so let's try and break this down. Because I, I, I think so. Should we go back and forth on this one? So let's go for the first bit. Will Sergio Perez lose his seat?
1: Okay, actually, my first point. I'm going sure. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt that point. Or Sergio Perez will be without a drive next season and they'll bring in Liam Lawson straight to the Red Bull instead
0: oh that's very high risk
1: do you think
0: yes I do look look oh. Liam Lawson is a talented Junior I don't think he's so good you've got to move out one of your headline seats straight away <laughs> good they didn't even I... do that for Max and they, and no, they he... had Max they had Max tied down from the time he was 15.
1: I mean, they did it for Max for like half a season.
0: A season and change. <laughs> it's like it's like Kvyat caused the big wreck in Russia, and they thought, "Well, this is our chance." <laughs> Perfect. But
1: if they, but if they did get rid of Perez, who are they putting in that seat instead?
0: They would probably break convention again because Sergio Perez got that job in the first place. Via bypass in the academy. That was the first time I think that Red Bull had done that since Mark Webber, where yeah. they because Red Bull's always hired from within its own. They've always had the, the conveyor belt of either you know raising talent through the ranks and either promoting them to the top or or moving them out somewhere else. Daniel Ricciardo came up that way. Max Verstappen came up that way. You know, Alex Albon came up that way. Yeah, Gasly did with mixed degrees of success of the names I've just mentioned. Um, <laughs> you know, so Perez broke convention because, like, they were um and are in about one to keep Albon. And then it was right at the end of, I think it was 2021, I want to say, when we raced in Sakir and Perez got that win, um, where where it was like the, I called it the bar rhombus, um, basically, when he won that race. Um, they broke policy. To bring him in in the first place, they they would never have normally done that. But they thought, well, Perez was too good not to bring in. I think was I think that was the logic. Is Perez going to be bad enough to justify sacking him? Because I know if again if Kieran were here, he'd be all over this because he's been adamant from the start. That Ricardo's going to come in at some point, swoop in, take his old job back, and Red Bull will move into the promised land. And I've never agreed with that perspective. I don't think Perez has ever been bad enough to justify him losing his seat. That's that's the big stumbling block for me. And even if they were to let him go, are you putting Yuki Tsunoda in? No, I don't, I don't think they are. Red Bull could N- no. have picked whoever they wanted. They got the best seat C- yeah. C- yeah. one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that isn't. That is like I can without a doubt be like that's not happening like yuki and i that's nothing against yuki Sonoda. i driving really like very him. well this season yeah, and i work. think he is and he's a very solid driver but i think that since entering formula one something just hasn't come together with him and his driving like it did in formula two and i w- I, I do really worry for yuki to be honest i think i've said it a few times that i think this is a make or break year for him and although it's going as well as it can at the moment um i'm still not convinced it's enough for tossed and enough for Alpha AlphaTauri to keep him on, let alone make that step up to Red Bull. So that, for me, is like that part of that take is definitely not happening.
0: Well, I was going to say, I, I look at the other half of it as well and I go, the junior situation. Um, Sonoda, I think, has driven very well so far. He's, he's, he's scrapped for everything he can get in F1 so far this yeah. season because the Alpha Tauri is a clunker of a car. It's bad. The team boss has admitted it's bad. And Sonoda's gone 11th, 11th, 10th. He, it, now, his point scoring performance was not, you know, perfect because he did wreck his new floor in practice, but he still got a point out of it in the end. And that's the first point Alpha Tari scored all season. You look behind him. And then you look at Formula Two, and like Ayumu Owasa is leading the Formula Two Championship right now. He's driven very well so far this season. Yes. We have an we have a we have a nickname for him, in in, in in uh some amongst my friends we call him that boy nice, Ayumu Owasa because that boy nice. Um, he's he's driving very well at the moment. And Liam Lawson, you know, was had a, a solid start to his Super Formula uh, campaign out there. We wrote about it on the site that uh, yeah, he he did something that hasn't been done since I think the seventies in Super Formula, yeah. winning on debut. That just that never happens in Super Formula. So Lawson had a a, a, a near perfect start to his, his life in Japan. And Awasa is if Awasa wins the Formula Two title, you've got to think he's front of the queue. But. You're probably like more likely to move on from Nick the Freeze, who's not performed at Sonoda's level so far this season, than Sonoda himself. That's my perspective. So if you combine the fact I don't think Perez is going to lose his job, and even if he was, I think somebody else would maybe make space for him. The fact that I don't think they'll promote Sonoda if that were to happen. And then the fact that I don't think... I think there's a chance AlphaTauri clears the decks and brings in Awasa and Lawson together. I think there is a possibility that could still happen. I'm going to go one here because I just I disagree with every segment of this take. I don't think Perez will be out of a job. I don't think Sonoda will get promoted because I think Red Bull could get whoever they wanted to get um, if a seat were to magically become available. Um, and then... I'm not fully convinced that Al-Fatari will replace both their drivers either. And even if they would, would Lawson be front of the queue? Because you've got Awasa, you've got someone like Zane Maloney. Who could potentially oh, they have, a, they have a
1: pool. They have yeah. a massive pool of drivers. is Maloney,
0: Isaac Hadja, um, Dennis Hauger, they are all in the mix. They are all strong in Formula 2. They've all, well, they've all had at least one good performance so far in Formula 2 this season as well. So there, there's a queue. There's a, there's a fleet of drivers behind them in Red Bull again. So with all that in mind, I'm going to go one, Dan. I'm sorry, buddy, but uh, I'm going one on this one. How do you feel, Charlie?
1: I'm, I am I think I'm going to go two okay. because I'm not as certain as you are that Sergio Perez will be in his Red Bull seat for a long time. Do you know what I mean, I don't think... I don't think it's one hundred percent certain. Mm. Um, who I think is going to replace him, I definitely know it's not Yuki Sonoda, so I I disagree with that part of it. Mm. Um, and I do think that he could he could also be out of a seat. Um, next season, but who it, it's going to be to replace him, I don't know. So I think there's like you know there's one segment of that that I kind of agree with in Checo, but the rest of it I'm a bit like uh. So I'm going to give it a two,
0: and that'll do it. For this week's edition of Hot Takes Wednesday, some fascinating takes there, some really good selections there from you guys. Thanks to everyone on Twitter who sent them in. Keep them coming. They'll be we'll be back again, same time next week, uh, for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Charlie, what did you make of all of that?
1: Yeah, there were some really good takes. I feel like they're getting better and better every week now that like we've got F1 back and they're getting a little bit more spicier.
0: Certainly ones that are prompting good discussion. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll be back next week for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Keep it locked in on WTF1. Follow us, of course, on Twitter at WTF1. If you want to follow us personally, you can at CharlieWTF1 and Dre underscore WTF1. I I like the fact that People whose takes we've said on the show have come back and followed it up with me after it's gone out. I do love that. So keep, (laughs) please keep them coming. I love the discussions. They're great. I do genuinely love interacting with you guys on it. So do check that out if you haven't already. Thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys next time.
1: Bye.